Welcome to Chapter 2 of Health System CIO's interview with Darren Dworkin, CIO at Cedars-Sinai. In this segment, we talk about what both health IT leaders and patients can learn from the Cambridge Analytica scandal, why he believes the early challenges his team faced in deploying IT solutions helped to create an agile foundation, and how Cedars-Sinai structured an accelerator program to remove the barriers and pave the way for innovation. This podcast is sponsored by Optum, solving real problems and creating practical solutions today using the latest in healthcare technology, such as blockchain, AI, and advanced analytics. See how Optum can make your digital transformation easier at optum.com slash CIO. It's really interesting, and it's very telling about uh, the way things are going and, and really how far this has come as far as uh, engagement. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook is sort of now behind us in terms of yeah. those incidences. I think it's opened up people's eyes to not everybody might have the best of intentions. And so now the tricky balance for all of us, including, by the way, the very well-intended rules and regs around data blocking or prevention of data blocking and opening up APIs, those, those all make a ton of sense. We were big supporters of them. We're happy they're in existence and and they were sort of necessary things. But like everything in life, there's always a series of unintended consequences. And so now we're just sort of faced with this new chapter of how do we support and enable all the wonderful things we can today through information sharing, but at the same time, do so in a way that doesn't have too many unintended consequences. What we've learned in the last little while is for a lot of these things involving data, there's not really an undo button. And so you just want to make sure that you get it right initially. Yeah, that's such a great point about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. I think that opened a lot of eyes and things that people in the industry have known for a long time. But this whole segment of the population is now maybe starting to understand the implications of putting data on things like Facebook. And really, I think that it'll end up being a positive just as far as that education component. It is. And I think even more confusing at times in healthcare, the uh, NIH initiatives around all of us or Sync for Science, they're sort of melding a little bit together, are, you know, wonderful big ideas of how you can aggregate pieces of information and create a bigger story or a bigger data pool and make that data pool available for medical discovery. And I think it's hard not to get excited about that. But at the same time, it's also worth being cautious to understand where some of this information is going. You know, and I think people have even raised the issue that uh, in healthcare, some of the stakes are even higher. For example, um, you might say yes to sharing your own information. Your own information may have family history that you are, in essence, sharing your relative's information without, per se, directly asking them. And so we're just going to have a new series of conversations and sort of details to think through that we haven't. None of this should mean that there's any barriers to continuing the great work that we have underway. Uh, None of this means that I think it needs to slow down in any meaningful way our ability to innovate, but I just think we just need to be very thoughtful about it. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it, too. And within your own organization, it's pretty clear from what I've read and seen that innovation is really at the core of uh, your philosophy, and there's so much that goes into that, but really wanted to talk about how innovation has become, you know, really like a part of the fabric at Cedar sinai 
Sure. You know, look, uh, as much as I'd love to take credit for innovation or sort of pieces of it, I could share with you that the legacy at Cedar sinai for innovation really starts at the top. It starts with our CEO, Tom Prislak, who for a long while now, uh, more than uh, 25 years, has been a big supporter and believer in the role of innovation in academic medicine. It's sort of entertaining to me that when you sort of step back and you think that, wow, innovation is new at hospitals, I don't really think that's the case. You know, the reality is that innovation has been around academic medical centers for as long as they've existed. Quite frankly, it's the reason why academic medical centers exist in the first place around research and discovery. People from all over the world come to look at and investigate and touch uh, U.S.-based healthcare because of the uh, worldwide reputation it has for its medical advancements. I think what's relatively new is the focus that we've had in the last maybe half dozen years or so on the delivery of medical care. And specifically within that segment of delivery, there's been a excited, sometimes overexcited focus on how digital can help with that delivery. And the innovation uh, around digital healthcare delivery is certainly sort of a newer segment. Um, and I think the fun part at Cedars is that we've been able to play at the forefront of that in many regards. Um, a lot of it comes from the fact that while we had some uh, early challenges with our first forays into information technology deployment, we sort of pulled ourselves up and sort of tried at it again. And with that, have had some good amounts of success in terms of laying down the Agile Foundation uh, for our core systems like lab systems and radiology systems and certainly our EHRs and all the other things that take up lots of time and attention within IT shops at large health systems. And so that's afforded us the ability, not that those things are ever done, but it's afforded us the ability to sort of layer on top of that with lots of new and exciting solutions, which these days tend to take the form of people summarizing as innovation. Right. A lot of people see innovation as something that has to involve tools, the toys, but that's really not what it means at all. And Now, through something like the Accelerator Boot Camp, that's really interesting to me because it seems like it's a way of kind of working with the startups and lending Cedar sinais own resources to kind of pinpoint the solutions that are really needed. No, you're, you're exactly right. So we call the program the Cedar sinai Accelerator, and I'm more than happy to sort of joke with people that we created it not because the world needed another accelerator. There's plenty of them. But it really sort of was filling a need for us of, you know, we've been doing uh, what is traditionally referred to as technology transfer, which is really supporting our amazing faculty here at Cedar sinai that just invent and think of a ton of great things. And uh, technology transfer, as it's traditionally defined, typically takes those amazing internal discoveries and helps that innovation find wings outside of the four walls of our health system, the euphemistic four walls of our health system. And so we think of that as technology or innovation that starts from the inside and moves on the way out. I think one of the great things about the culture of Cedar sinai is uh, that folks well understand that we do not have a monopoly on good ideas, good innovation, and fresh ways of thinking at things. And so we really wanted a way to take innovation from outside the euphemistic four walls and bring it back into the health system. And one of the best ways we thought to do that was to really sort of infuse our team with sort of a living wet lab or a working lab uh, with uh, sort of digital startups. 
And so uh, we created the accelerator because it really gives us an opportunity to bring in, you know, a dozen or so companies at least once a year, sometimes more often than that, uh, bring them through sort of a formal program, candidly sort of educates everybody. Um, it educates the startups in terms of letting them understand how healthcare delivery really works. And it also educates our faculty and our staff and our administration and our nurses and our pharmacists and dietitians and supply chain folks all across the organization in terms of how startups think. And there's been amazing lessons that we've each learned. And it's just been a very rewarding experience for us to help sort of spawn these great companies and frankly, hope that some of the uh, infectious entrepreneurialism, go get them, we can't fail perspective rubs off on you know, what sometimes can be a large bureaucratic organization as any big hospital can at times become. Yeah, sure. Dealing with several different companies, as you said, I'm sure that there are a lot of different areas of focus, but is there anything specific that comes to mind as a different direction or solution, anything that really sticks out from the boot camps you've had so far? Yeah, so um, I'll give a couple of examples, but I'll, I'll back up just a little bit and say that one of the things that we learned early on about entrepreneurs and startups is that they're almost uh, constrained by structure. That doesn't mean that you, know, you can't uh, infuse the right amount of structure and process, but you want to be really careful about it. And so one of the things that we did in terms of uh, selecting the companies was put in place this thing we called the selection committee. And what the selection committee does is it takes all of the applications that we get for each class. And in the last class, we had a little more than um, 700 applications for 10 spots. And we whittle them down and we throw at some of the really wacky ideas, some of the things that we think might not exactly be legal, some of the things that perhaps a nonprofit healthcare institution shouldn't be thinking about doing. And that sort of brings us down to a smaller number. And then we whittle down again by having uh, sort of a team of folks that focus on the accelerator to make sure that it's real and it's viable and all that sort of stuff. But then we take the rest of the companies and we put them in front of the selection committee that's truly made up of clinicians and administrators from around the health system. They're hearing all these rapid-fire pitches, and they're telling us, hey, that's an idea that really resonates. So we're really letting sort of the ideas themselves drive a little bit of the structure and the strategy and sort of where we're going, and that's sort of what I think has been a big piece of the secret sauce. A great example of that that I can offer is that we heard a pitch from a texting company, um, and I have to admit that I was uh, probably most guilty in the room of rolling my eyes and thinking, dear Lord, another texting company, just what healthcare needs. But the reality is that the front office staff of our ambulatory clinics that heard it, it just clicked with them. And they became very passionate about wanting to work with the company. And the core thesis that they sort of shared with us was, listen, there's lots of ways to text back and forth uh, for them as individuals and patients, but it was always tied to their own cell phones. There's no way for the front office staff as a team to text and communicate with patients, do reminders and instructions and directions and forms and all sorts of stuff like that. And it really sort of took off like wildfire. Today, that application is live across our health system in 200 plus clinics. It generates more than a million text messages a year. I mean, it's something that really is sort of started from the grassroots and sort of took off. And I have to admit that even as the CIO, if I was putting my uh, judgment hat on, 
I probably would have dismissed these folks long ago. Right. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.